Welcome to Squats and Science Podcast, episode 20. I'm Coach Joe, and I'm joined with Coach Arian. What's up, dude? What's going on? We made it to episode number 20. Yeah. Do I get cake or something? <laughs> you got to get your own cake. cake. Cake or cannoli. I'll take either one. Put a big 2-0 on it. Yeah. People um, actually want to listen to us for 20 episodes. Yeah, God knows why. Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> I should be, we should be paying them. <laughs> Don't give them ideas. <laughs> um, so let's let's go right into it today because we probably don't have much to catch up on because we just did the episode recently. Uh, what what are we talking about today? Uh, well, we did the best deadlift variations last time, so we're gonna jump out of order and we're gonna do best squat variations this time. Yeah, so you guys have probably noticed some similarities in, in uh, the two, but there's definitely some nuance and some differences, and we're going to break it down similarly to the deadlift one with uh, talking about variations for technique, talking about variations for hypertrophy, and talking about variations for strength, and then some accessory work. Um, so you want to kick it off with uh, some technique variations, the ones that you use most frequently? Yeah, so we'll get started with technique, and when it comes to technique, that's probably where it's the most repetitive with deadlift and maybe even bench when we do that one next, and one of the biggest variations being a tempo squat. So for any lift, including the squat, if you want to learn how to do things, you want to slow down first so you can actually figure out what the hell you're doing. Yeah, I think both of us subscribe to that philosophy. I'm sure people have listened to this and heard us drill this over and over again but there's a reason why yeah so a lot of times for the, the squats is now you have the uh, eccentric phase first as people kind of fall out of position first on the eccentric phase and then since they're already out of position then the concentric phase ends up being bad too so if you slow things down instead of like just dive bombing right down into your squat then you can maintain your position and get a feel for what it's like to stay in the proper position and keep everything tight and then that can help build that concentric phase because then you can maintain that position that you're already in yeah and you could also tempo the concentric too um because this is probably more for some advanced lifters but um people that have good positioning going into the hole but then lose it coming out um they're probably going to want to take the time to slow down the concentric phase and, and try and drill uh a good bar path coming out of the hole um, but yeah, for, for newbies, uh, definitely eccentric and maybe concentric both, tempoing both, just so they can feel out what, what a good bar path feels like, um, center pressure and all those, those kind of nuanced things that, that are technical in the squat. Yeah, definitely. With the tempos, uh, you can do whatever variation you want of what you're tempoing and the actual tempo. So yeah, a complete beginner or even just doing a warm-up weight, working your way up to a make competition squat with a heavier weight, then yeah, you can tempo on the way down and on the way up or do tempo on the way down, do a pause in the bottom and then tempo on the way up. And then eventually, yeah, you can hopefully work up to where you're doing a tempo on the way down and then exploding on the way up. Yeah, and maintaining that positioning that we've been working on. Um, yeah, just to reiterate, but I, I think these are useful for all levels. Um, it, sometimes if you get, you've been doing this for a long time and your squat starts to get a little funky or you start to get into some bad habits as an advanced lifter, it'll pay to, to take some weight off and, and come back to this tempoing and, and 
trying to correct whatever issues you have with your squat. Like for me with high bar, I would shoot my hips up out of the hole. Um, part of that's because I, I am so used to dive bombing and using like the stretch reflex that I just have a bad position coming out of the hole. So lately I've just been, past couple blocks, I've just been doing it slower and just really trying to focus on correcting some of these issues that I've had. Not that I'm like some amazing squatter, but I've been doing it for a while. So. Yeah, so you might see on programs out there for anyone that looks at some free programs out that are out there, or maybe a coach gives you something. Oftentimes, you'll see three zero three, so that kind of means like a three count on the way down, zero count on the pause, and then three count on the way up. So I, I like giving those out too. Um, even like you said, for more intermediate or advanced lifters, is you kind of learn how to maintain the proper bar path on the way down with that three count going down and then on a three count going up maintaining that same position and not falling forward like a lot of people do um, and then you can also throw in the pause if you want to do it there and do it like a three one three or whatever three two three to learn how in the hole to maintain tightness and not just relax and kind of bottom out or anything like that so now you're learning the proper bar path on the way down the maintaining tightness and figuring out your depth in the hole and then keeping that position on the way up yeah, this is uh, especially good for lifters who rely so heavily on, on the stretch reflex, which works for a lot of people, but um, I think that there's a lot of room for error there. And um, if you can keep that position in the hole and, and maintain it through the concentric, then you're going you're gonna to maximize your kilos on the bar, especially when you're going for like a 1RM or, or a third attempt. Yeah, definitely. Um, we kind of just talked about this, but we were going to talk about pause squatting. Um, I really only give them for that specific reason, just to force positioning, um, force tightness. I also prefer these beltless. Um, it just forces the, the lifter to be more rigid without relying too heavily on the belt. Um, not that I believe that there's some like magic bullet to that, but it just makes it a little bit harder. <laughs> Yep, same thing. The pause squats can be used for different reasons. So anytime you put any kind of accessory work or assistance, a variation into your program, you have to say, well, what is the goal of that protocol or of that exercise? So if you're putting the pause squat in for the goal of improving technique and learning how to be comfortable in the hole and be tight in the hole, then yeah, the belt might not matter, especially at the beginning. First, learn how to properly achieve the right position in the hole and stay tight. And then you can always throw on the belt later on in a in a training block or years down the road for your pause squats and be able to do heavier weights that way. Yeah. So th this segues perfectly into what we're going to talk about next. Those are two perfect segues. <laughs> <laughs> um, but beltless work uh, as, a, as a variation for technique, um, I like it a lot uh, for that specific reason where it, it, um, it takes away that ability to, uh, to gain a bunch of tension and use it to your advantage to, for a greater stretch reflex. So instead of relying on that to get you through the lift, um, you're kind of forced to focus, really focus on the actual technique and, and bar path. Um, again, this is probably best for lifters who, who do have like a habit of dive bombing and then losing position. Um, I don't know how you feel about that, but that's how I use it. Yeah, the, the, the beltless is, is similar to the, the pause and the tempo. Is It's all about you're trying to improve the technique, and if you have a certain way that you squat, that can maybe have some advantages but also have some disadvantages, then maybe you want to do some technique work that will help build up those disadvantages. And I know some people that will do 
beltless work as like a off season training and do a lot of high rep work like hypertrophy and stuff like that and I necessarily don't see the benefit in that that aspect but it does have a lot of benefit for this technique aspect because there's just so many things that you can learn and by having the belt off it just like you don't have to worry about that you don't have to worry about the belt kind of pushing you out of position or having to handle bigger weights you can focus on lighter weights focus on your bracing for focus on your positioning and then you can always add that in later on yeah i'm going to caveat this by saying that i don't think the that the belt uh shuts off your muscles or your abdominal muscles or any of that bs that people tend to to uh to sell but it just forces you to be very specific about how you move i did the last three blocks you gave me beltless um and i think it just you can't like if i it just it's this feeling of like just raw squatting i can't dive bomb it like i physically feel like if i do that i'm just gonna like fall over or something so it even if it's not tempoing it it forces me to just slow down and 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 just focus a little bit more on the movement itself um that's personal and anecdotal but i i find it useful for that yeah, from the from the mental aspect, I think maybe as long as you don't physically need it, like if it's if taking these things out is not going to cause pain or injury or anything like that, there is some mental aspect. I see people do it like after a meet. It's just like not worrying as much when you go to the gym. You don't have to bring your belt. You don't have to bring your knee sleeves. You don't have to bring your wrist wraps. Sometimes you might not even wear your your squat shoes. You just go and work like with your just barefoot with no belt or whatever like that, and focus on your technique, your positioning, and kind of take that mental break of having to put all those things on and have to load that much weight and then you can slowly bring those things back in yeah it definitely makes going to the gym a little bit more enjoyable (laughs) especially in the summer not having to struggle to put knee sleeves on you just get under the bar and squat i I love it it's the best And for, for you guys up in the city, uh, you have to lug all that stuff in your gym bag in the subway or walk over to the gym one mile with it. It's just yeah. less things. Yeah, that's it. Just just go in and squat. We're going to start a new federation, just raw <laughs> squatting, Pure, pu- purely raw. The real 100% raw. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, all right. Is there anything else for a technique that you like to use? I know those are the three big ones, but... Yeah, th- those are the, 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 three, the big three ones uh, because you're slowing things down and you're using lighter weight and you're focusing on how to actually do the movement without adding all these extra things in first and then you can slowly uh, bring things back in and move uh, things faster. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's move on to hypertrophy. Uh, which, what, what are your preferences here? Yeah, so what I usually see with people for hypertrophy and, and that I use too is like, to start going away from the low bar where you are kind of using more of the muscles around your hips and you might be leaned over more and go into variations that are going to be where you're more upright and you're going to build up those quads and more and not stress too much your lower back so the the one that i used to do a lot was actually the front squat because it's um easy to access like you don't have to have a special bar or anything like that and it's different enough from the low bar that you're not like trying to mess up your low bar because it's a completely different movement um i don't know how much uh, you put front squats in your programming yeah i I use them um i use them sparingly but i do use them for hypertrophy actually just for an athlete this week i programmed um (laughs) i programmed four by ten front squat with uh elevated heel uh just for hypertrophy but specifically just to to smash the quads and 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 get that quad work in um i like the i like the elevated heel 
and a clo- and specify with a closer stance. Um, it's it's really challenging, especially if you're if you're used to low bar squatting. Um, and it definitely is, uh, you know, taxes the quads pretty pretty well. Yeah, and then I definitely more recently I've I switched to doing less front squats and, and giving more high bar because even though it is close, I've now I've kind of thought more like okay, it's different enough where the person yeah can change like the the switch in their head that okay I'm doing a low bar squat for my competition with a certain stance wherever and now I'm switching to a high bar with a more narrow stance like you said maybe an elevated heel so you're switching enough where it, it shouldn't necessarily mess up your technique too much it's not blending so I've been giving more high bar because for a lot of people it's easier and their positioning they don't have to worry about the wrist issues with front squat or falling forward and they can usually handle more weight in the high bar than they can in the front squat yeah, I was going to say one of the, the main limitations why I don't give front squat often is um, if they have a poor front rack or have difficulty holding that position, um, <clears throat> when you could just do a high bar squat and, it, and it's pretty similar. Or uh, our personal favorite, the SSB. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's becoming more accessible. Um, when I was coaching people maybe uh, three, four, five years ago, there weren't as many powerlifting gyms around. And in those powerlifting gyms, there weren't as many uh, specialty bars around. You were lucky even if you had like a brand new power bar. A lot of times it was just like beat up bars that people have in there and it's like rusty and stuff. So now we're getting better bars. We're getting the specialty bar. So I do like the SSB. Um, and I have lifters that I've used the SSB in the front position or in the regular high bar position because it just takes that that worry and that stress out of having to figure out your front rack or figuring out the bar on your back and having elbow pain and all that kind of stuff. It takes that out of the picture. Um, and then there's also that posi- that still has that benefit of the bar being angled where the weights are pushed more forward. And so it's trying to throw you forward and you have to really focus on your positioning and uh, staying upright and fighting it. Yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan personally, and then also uh, for for my athletes, I, I program it a lot. Um, and I know you put in your programs to specify not to pull the handles down. Um, and I see this often with people I coach is they'll they have a tendency to pull the handles down and then use rely on their their um, posterior chain to move the weight, and they kind of lose that upright position. Um, I actually see this pretty frequently, so I, I too make a like um, I'm specific when I give these to to try and be as upright as possible, to not pull the handles down, to not let your hips shoot up when you're when you're using the safety squat bar. Yeah, with with all these hypertrophy exercises where you're trying to focus on a maybe a specific muscle more, like you're trying to focus on the quads more and be more upright and put less stress in the lower back then you want to mix, maintain that position that's going to be effective for that. There's no point in doing front squats if you're going to shoot your knees back and your hips up and tip over and use your back. Uh, you're, you're not getting that benefit that you want. So for all of these, you do want to maintain those knees forward and stay upright, keep your hips underneath, and try and use your quads as much as possible. So, yeah, you do see in the, in the SSB, because the, the bar is – angled so that the weights go forward when mm-hmm. you do pull the handles down it moves the weight back over towards the midfoot and so you're then putting yourself in an advantageous position and it's kind of defeating the purpose of the ssb and then you do have those people that while they're also pulling the handles down they'll kind of like start hunching over and round mm-hmm. their upper back and getting yeah trying to get into a different position or a position they feel stronger in um when you're trying to build up that position that you're not stronger in yeah and I think people that are not um, 
not very quad dominant squatters or, or not used to to um, relying heavily on their quads to squat. The difference between a rep where they shoot their hips up and the difference between a rep where they maintain that upright position, that upright position with your knees still out in front is going to feel so much harder. So I think that's why people often revert to that other position. It's usually subconsciously just because that it probably feels really difficult <laughs> because you're not used to using those muscles and you're not used to keeping that position. Um, but you, you just literally have to do the mental work to, to, to revert away from that easier movement pattern. Yeah, I mean, I, I was always about like a, a wider stance, low bar squat, and, and my quads were always weak. I always sucked at any of these movements that had uh, the use of the quads. So then I had to really focus on not only if you're going to use a percentage or a RPE or a velocity, it's, well, what is that RPE or that velocity in, in reference to the technique that you're using? So I want a certain RPE where I'm maintaining that technique, not just an RPE where I can grind it out any way I want. So for example, for me, um, everyone's max is gonna be a little bit different, but you happen to be in the same range, you, you might be able to compare yourself. I got up to a 500 pound back squat, low bar, but I can only do about 405 high bar. So it's about 80% of my, of my low bar. And then my front squat was somewhere around like 315, so we're about 65% of the, uh, or, or 60% of the, of the low bar. So you can see how weak it was. Whereas if you look at like Olympic weightlifters, their, their front squats are like 80, 90% of their high bar squats. And then basically their high bar and low bar might be the same because they never even train low bar. Yeah. But they're so good at, at that position that they could probably pick it up pretty quick. Yeah. My my low bar and my high bar and my safety squat are all pretty damn close to one another. <laughs> so um, so there you, you can see the difference between us because you tend to have like slightly uh, shorter limbs for your torso and you tend to be more of a squatter and then uh, then you'd be a bencher and then last year like your worst lift would be deadlift. Whereas me, I tend to have the longer limbs for my torso and my best lift is a deadlift and then the squat and then my worst one's the bench press. So your squatting movements are very similar because of the way you're built and maybe your quads are strong enough overall for all the muscles versus me, my, my high bar, my front squat are very weak because i just don't use my quads yeah it's gotta do more quad work man yeah so if you are someone like <laughs> me who, who is weak then you have to look into these front squats the high bar the ssb to really build those things up yeah and anytime i take a new athlete on i um depending on the athlete i most of the time i spend a good few months just doing all this very quad specific stuff and that's just because most people aren't used to it and they and they especially if they come from um like the early 2000s powerlifting train of thought or like they've learned from like mark ripito or you know or crossfit or something like that they, they they're probably not very used to using um their quads for these positions or for, or for to help them in the squat so i i, I spend a lot of time doing quad specific work with most of most athletes most people i coach yeah. um anything else for hypertrophy no as far as the the variations the barbell movements the, those are the the big three that i use from there it just it depends on what you have access to but most people have access to a bar where they can do high bar front squat and then if you're lucky enough to have the ssb then you can use the ssb in the front or back position yeah, and a quick and an easy tool that most people have access to because you can just use plates is that elevated heel that I was talking about. 
Uh, I'm a big fan of it. It's really easy to do. Um, and it, 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 you can actually feel what it feels like to use your quads to squat. And that's a good starting, a good starting point is just building uh, proprioception and getting, getting used to understanding what that feels like. Um, all right, so how about strength? Yeah, so go, going in the strength, you can use some of these same exercises for strength work. So that's why I put the pause squat in there again for strength because uh, once you kind of used it for technique, then you can also use it for strength by putting the belt back on and doing lower reps and doing more weight that way. And so that way you are working on that portion of the lift where you might be the weakest at or the most uncomfortable with. If you like are scared to hit depth, then this forces you to go down to depth and spend more time there and become more comfortable with it. Yeah, yeah, I, I use pauses for this as well. Usually singles, doubles, triples. Um, maybe even still beltless here, but you could go a little bit heavier because you're only doing a rep or two or three. Um, and uh, you got pin squats down. I, I don't really ever use these, but... I'm yeah. interested to see what you have to say about this. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm a fan of pins. It's it's similar to the pause squat, so you can't you can't dissipate all the uh, stored uh, energy from the eccentric phase in a in a pause squat or in a pin if you're coming down. So you're still gonna have some in it, but the idea between both of them are to break up that eccentric and concentric phase. So if you're pausing for three seconds, you're gonna lose some of that stretch shortening cycle, you're gonna lose some of that stored energy, and it's gonna be more difficult to come up. And same thing for a pin, especially if you kind of rest the bar on the pins and come to a dead stop, you're losing some of that energy, and then you have to press or, or squat from a dead stop, and you can set the pins at different heights. So. I like doing the setting up the pins where you're basically as close as possible to your normal depth or if you need to be just slightly higher where you're right at parallel, then you still do your regular squat where you unrack it, you walk it out, you set up, you still do your centric phase, you stop on the pins and then from a dead stop, you, you squat up. Yeah, I think it'd be useful <clears throat> from the, the point in the velocity curve right when it slows down, right? Or right before it slows down to have them, to have them squat out of that position because that's where most people... Uh, tend to fail or get stuck in or, or revert to a bad position. Um, I, I've never used them, but if I did, I would probably do something like that. Yeah, you can do them from a the bottom position from like a dead stop. It's just more difficult because depending on how low you have it, like if you have it set up at your depth, then it becomes difficult to like get underneath the bar while you're in the hole and set up your stance where you want it, set up the bar and your grip where you want it and everything like that and get everything to kind of match your, your regular positioning and then squat up. But if you walk it out, everything else is the same. You're practicing everything the same. All you're doing is you're breaking up that eccentric and concentric. And yeah. then, then the, the other thing I sometimes use it for, um, with both the squat and for the bench, when we do the, the bench variations later on, I'll, I'll bring that up too, is kind of as a overload or for like to get the person more comfortable with a weight at their max or above their max. So for the deadlift, since you're just going from the ground and you're just picking it up and going, people don't get as scared as with the squat and the bench press kind of people. Uh, get scared when they have to unrack it and walk it out or bring it out. They kind of get that like, oh crap moment. 
<laughs> and while they're while they're waiting uh, while they're waiting to get the command and everything like that, so a lot of people want to do some kind of overload. Uh, overload. So sometimes I just have people walk it out and hold it for ten seconds at the top, get comfortable with one hundred and five percent or one hundred ten percent of your max, and then walk it back in. But if you do have the ability to set up a pin, you can set up a pin that's like a a quarter squat. So you're only going down a few inches of your range of motion onto the pins, and then from that dead stop, squatting up, and then going back into the rack. Yeah, kind of just building some of that um, CNS-like adaptation, just getting accustomed to it. Yeah, and just like so the person can feel comfortable. Like, so if your max is 100 pounds and you, and you load up 110 or 115, just the ability to unrack it, walk it out, feel it on your back, bring it down a few inches, come up with it, and you're like, okay, it's, it's not that bad. I, I can handle this. Or you just bail it on the pins. <laughs> you, you can. I mean, and, and the, the person who, who does that, especially on the bench press, you can you guys can look it up, is Jennifer Thompson. So she benches 325, but she's worked up to where she holds a 500-pound bench uh, at lockout for 5, 10, 15 seconds and then brings it down to the safety. So she gets that eccentric phase and then just that's it. She lets go. That's crazy. Oh, man, I've never really thought of that. That's, that's kind of a cool little overload trick. Yeah, so it, it helps her because like then 325 feels so light for her after she's held 500. Also, in the aspect of the bench press, it helps her because if you do get like a crappy handoff, it's not that bad when you have a crappy handoff with 315 or 325 when you've already held 500 pounds over your head and you have to balance it. Does she do that before she does like singles or is it just like a thing that she does like as like accessory? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head how she programs it in, like where she does it. For me personally, if I'm doing like a heavy hold, oftentimes I do it after the top single just because I want them to first warm up to whatever, let's say 88% for their heavy single and then load up like 95%, 105% to do the heavy hold and then come down to whatever their working sets are. Uh, with the, the pin presses or the pin squats, it will always be or almost always for the squat will be after the competition squat. So after they've done all the competition squat work, then we may do the, the mid-level pin squats or, or pin squats in the hole. Yeah, we, we always prioritize the, the comp lift. I'm just wondering if it, if it would be advantageous to have someone do like a 110% hold and then do their actual single after. I know I've heard people do yeah. this, but I've, I've never actually experimented with it. Yeah, I guess you could, and you just have to like warm up like normal up to a certain point. Let's say not 85%, you warm up regularly, and then load up like 95%, hold it for 10 seconds, and then maybe go back down to like 90%, and then it feels light after that. Yeah, might have to try that. <laughs> screw, <laughs> screw around the gym a little bit. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> just don't kill yourself. Yeah, is that okay? I'm going to put that in my program. <laughs> You're going to load up like an 800-pound squat? Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, probably. I, I, I will warn you and others to go easy on it. The first time I saw Jen Thompson do this, I'm like, oh, crap. I'm going and trying this out the next time in the gym. And and my max is around the same thing, 315, 325. I got up to about like 365, and I was like, holy crap, this is way too hard. And, and I stopped. I was like, there's no way I'm making it to 500. <laughs> Yeah, don't don't kill yourself if you try this. <laughs> so for for my lifters, sometimes I'll do it as um, 
as we're like several weeks still out from the meet and we're peaking. So before we do like, let's say a 92% single, we're doing like a 95% hold. Before we do a 95% single, we're doing like a 100% hold. So it doesn't have to be necessarily over your max right away, but it can be over what you're gonna do for that day or what you're gonna do for the, the next session or something like that to kind of prepare you in advance. Interesting. Yeah, I might have to mess around with that. Um, <laughs> anything else for strength? The, the, those are the, the two big ones, the pause, especially in the hole, and then the pins, especially in the hole. And you can always make adjustments. Like you can even do like a pause where you're just out of the hole. Like if you are someone who bounces a lot and then you right after you lose the bounce, you kind of ha- have like a dead point. You can always do like a pause there or same thing with the pins. You can do it at some point where it's more difficult for you for the overload. But th- those are the two big things that I do. Yeah. And I think if you spend enough time improving your technique and getting really good technically that your strength is going to go up um, just based on being more technically proficient at these lifts. So the cross-section there is is definitely worth noting. Um, All right, and now to everybody's favorite, accessory work. This is the thing that everybody does 100% of, 100% adherence every time. I've never had an athlete skip a single accessory. I'm just, I'm you, just kidding. That, that's you, not the truth at all. I was like, you must have some great clients. <laughs> I don't think any of them do their accessories. But. Um, so you got some favorites, right? What are your favorites? Yeah, my, my, my three go-tos are some of the ones that we mentioned in the Delif one, which again goes to working the, the quads. So I like to rotate between the Bulgarian split squat, the lunges, and then the weighted step-ups. Yeah, I, I'm the same. Um, the cross section between this and the deadlift is pretty big, but uh, yeah, split squats, lunges, step ups. Big fan of unilateral stuff, um, especially for quad and 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 hip extensions, uh, or sorry, knee and hip extensions. Um, and uh, leg press, I love the leg press, but we don't have one at the gym. Uh, we're getting one, so everybody's gonna get leg press. <laughs> Um, you 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 program these as well, right? Yeah, again, leg press is like similar to SSB. It just depends on whether the person has access to it. So if someone goes to like a commercial gym, then they have access to every single machine. So it's good that you can do some heavier weights with the leg press and uh, load up a lot since you have that like kind of shortened range of motion. And you can always change your foot positioning. So you can change into more of a narrow stance and maybe a little bit higher up so you can kind of get more of the quads in there. Or you can also do one-legged if you want. So I've done Mm -hmm. like where you're doing one leg at a time and really trying to push the knee out to the side to kind of give you some more range of motion. And that's like pretty difficult. But if you don't have access to it, then you can just go to the, those movements, the, the Bulgarian split squat, the lunges, and the way to step ups, which gets you the quad work, the unilateral work. And I like it for the, especially the Bulgarian split squats in that bottom position kind of gives you a little bit of a stretch in those hip flexors. Yeah, and I think, I think we talked about this in the deadlift one, but as like a prehab movement too, um, especially when your hips are just taking a beating all the time, Especially for sumo pillars, um, I think the Bulgarian split squat is, is a is a super um, useful tool in your 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 arsenal, just to keep your hips uh, fresh, giving them that little bit of stretch reflex at the bottom, getting some blood flowing there. Um, I know multiple reputable PTs who use these as a, as a rehab exercise. Every time I've ever had to rehab my hip or back, I've had them in my programming. Um, they pretty much just have done them in perpetuity. 
Um, and what else? You got the belt squat. This is the, yeah. the new um, lift du jour, right? I had to put the new fat in there. And again, it, yeah. it's it's whether your, your gym has it available or not. Most people don't have access to one. And there's some ghetto ways you can set this up, but it's not always that effective or that safe to do heavier weights enough on it. So I don't really put it in there unless someone has access to an actual, some kind of uh, belt squat machine and they want to do it. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's the new thing is, is you can get a lot more volume in without necessarily stretching out the lower back more. Yeah. When I first started, before I was a coach and owner at SNS, when I first started going to the gym, when it first opened, Jordan had rigged this belt squat system using like two pulleys on the rogue rack and it was the sketchiest like dude trying to get the thing on like you'd have to like like there's all this tension on the cable and you're like trying to hook it it feels like your fingers are gonna get chopped off and then like trying to like undo it the same thing where like there's tons of tension on the on the cable and you're like trying to get the belt off without like naming yourself i, I don't recommend it <laughs> we we tried to set up once at uh, at boyan where it was like we stacked like jerk blocks with a little space in the middle and then yeah. it, and then you held on to like a uh dip belt with weights on it and put that on you so then you're like standing on the jerk blocks your feet and squatting down and then the weights go in between the jerk blocks but like you have to set up enough blocks to get high enough where you have a good enough range of motion but then you're like oh crap what if i push too much out to the sides and like the box like tip <laughs> over or something so would not recommend no it's not worth it it's not worth it <laughs> Um, we do have a we do have a belt squat at the gym now, and uh, it's, it's way easier than trying to rig your own setup. <laughs> it 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 definitely feels way different, like especially for me, someone who doesn't like using my quads, and the and the way I stay I low bar squat is like not built for using quads. Is like one of the first times I really tested out the belt squat um, was at last year we had a USAPO athlete camp at the Colorado Springs like the Olympic Training Center and they have everything there and everyone's like oh let's go test it out let's go test it out and one of the trainers there showed us how to set up and everything I was like all right let me try it out and holy crap like that thing is hard and you feel it all in your quads it feels like way different than how I squat I was like I, I can't explain it like what other exercise it feels like yeah it's it's really taxing but again this is another one where I see people um kind of cheat it and shoot their hips back and then end up like just defeating the whole point of it i mean i guess if you're trying to use it to build posterior chain strength but i don't think that's probably the best way of going about it so same thing if you're going to use this try and keep um try and keep a position where your knees track over your your feet and don't let your hips shoot back so you're actually using your quads when you when you use the belt squat yeah, with, with all the machines, you definitely want to look at how you're setting up in the machine since it's like built for like a general person. So you have to figure out where you need to set your feet so that the weight is like loaded over your foot and you're not like you're not having your feet behind the cable or anything like that. And then obviously starting off with a lighter weight because just because you put 200 pounds on a machine doesn't mean it's actually 200 pounds with all the cables and stuff. And then, yeah, like you said, is you want to match that same technique. If you're trying to work your quads, then you want to make sure you're keeping the knees forward, staying upright, hips underneath you, and not just kind of like shooting your hips back and then good morning it just to kind of get the, as much weight as possible up. Yeah, it defeats the whole point. Um, yeah. Try, trying to think if there's any other accessory accessory exercises I like for squatting um, I think we pretty much covered them all 
Yeah, the other stuff is just little stuff sometimes if like the person wants to do it, if their gym has access to it. I've given people like uh, like leg extension machine uh, or leg curl machine. Uh, I've given people, and it's not as much for squat, but like just like the, the, the reverse hyper or the hyper extension, 45 degrees. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe some good mornings. Yeah, some good mornings. Uh, the uh, single leg Romanians too. That's that's a hip extension kind of for deadlifting, but also it gives you kind of a similar um, like sh- like a stretch in the hip as the Bulgarian. Um, so I usually give Bulgarians and, and single leg Romanians too. Um, but yeah, I think that that pretty much covers it. Uh, yeah, and then mate, if- yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and then if you really want to, like, get away from, like, leg movements and something that might carry over, is, like, I like giving planks so people can learn how to brace properly. Yeah, bracing is a big one, but that's a whole nother, uh, that's, <laughs> like, a, an episode onto itself. Um, yeah. My main advice is just get, improve your technique as much as you can, and all of the other things will pretty much fall in line. Um, what else, uh... I think that's it for squat talk. What do, what do we got coming up? Anything interesting? No, I mean, uh, as far as the world is going, I mean, we're not going to any meets anytime soon. You guys' gym is still closed. Uh, there's there's not much coming up. Uh, hopefully, everyone just getting their training in. And then uh, the next podcast episode, I guess, we'll do the best bench variations. Yep. And that'll close out the, uh, the technical talk for the squat bench and deadlift. Um, Gym's still closed, but we're actually running um, some boot camps at a park in Brooklyn. If you're interested in that and you're local, it's open to everybody. Um, you can find some info on our Instagram, which is Squats and Science. Uh, shoot us a DM if you want to come down. Um, again, it's open to everybody, not just members. Um, we just want to get people back moving pretty much. Um, do, you, do you guys do lunges in the boot camp? We do lunges. We and planks? We do planks. <laughs> We do lunges, we do planks, we do what else we do? We bring we bring kettlebells, we bring dumbbells, we bring bands. Uh, so we try and do a little bit of hit movement, hit um, circuits, and then also some strength stuff. Uh, it's a pretty good mix. Uh, it's fun too because you know the people from the gym that don't get to see each other now now that the gym is closed, they come and hang out, and we just make them sweat and, and yell at us, curse us out. <laughs> Cool. And then, yeah. and if you don't want to come, but you want to learn more, just like the the deadlift variation episode is based off of the how to deadlift video, the SS, SNSU video. There is a how to squat video for that as well. So we'll put that link in the description for this episode. You can so you can watch Coach Joe break down the competition squat. Yeah, we go over technical faults in the squat, and between that video and then this po- podcast, you should have uh, a three times body weight squat. I think that I think that pretty much wraps it up. Um, you can find us on Instagram, and um, feel free to reach out if you have any ideas for an episode or you want to see us talk about something in particular. And then always make it nice. Peace.